future of work with thanks to VHI Healthcare. Looking at the health and well-being of your employees in an ever-changing workplace with the VHI Health Insights Programme. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Future of Work with Gavin McLaughlin and me, Jess Kelly. Each week we will look at how COVID-19 has pushed the Irish workforce to change how business is done. Today we're going to be talking about company culture. What are the perks businesses should be offering? What support should they have in place? And how can they keep the office culture alive in the working from home world? Later in the show, we'll hear from Dan Mackey, the co-founder of Teamwork, about how his company has created a positive office culture in the pandemic. And we speak to Amy Bourke, Director of Group Human Resources at VHI Healthcare. She'll share the tips employers should use to keep their employees engaged and feeling part of the company. And first up, Jess, I suppose maybe we should define in basic terms what we're looking at here. Company culture, in your view, is what? I think, so there, there are a few different aspects to it. I think one of the aspects is what the company stands for and the mission statement and the type of business it wants to be beyond, I suppose, just the bottom of an Excel spreadsheet at the end of the year. It's what do they want to contribute to their customers, to their employees, to the community. There's all that side of it. And then when you lift the lid, it's about when your employees go in, you know, do they like working there? You know, we always hear about these different surveys, the great place to work surveys and all that kind of stuff. And it's quite interesting when you go on to different forums or you read different surveys about certain workplaces and you hear just how unhappy many members of staff are within certain organisations. And I think, you know, I think I said it on on one of the shows um, earlier in the series that I can't imagine having to drag myself into work every single day. That notion just makes me feel very sad. And I know that that is the norm for a lot of people. There's friends of mine who absolutely hate, not hate what they do, but hate where they work. Yeah. They don't like the people that they work with. Um, like I've never worked anywhere else aside from here. And the thing that I always say is, you know, when someone leaves, like pre-pandemic, when someone leaves and they stand up in the middle of the floor to make their leaving speech, the first thing they say and the thing that they say they'll miss the most is the people. And yeah. I think, you know, my work hasn't changed over the last year. I'm still doing the same stuff. I'm doing more of the same stuff. But the thing that I miss are the people. I do think when you have good people around the place and it doesn't matter whether they are your peers or management or middle management or executive level, it's it's been able to walk around the building going, oh, hey, you Gav, how's it going? Like, how's your son? And you know, that, that sort yeah. of... It, Personal relationships, I think, is a huge part of it. Um, and I don't know how you manufacture that because I've never been in a management position, but I do think that some companies are better than others when it comes to it. Yeah, I mean, it's in the, the term manufacture it, it's kind of a very interesting way to put it because I think the, the, the two things can be conflated. There is this perception that it's sort of a top-down thing and people leave from the top, etc., etc. But my own experience, I think, has been that uh, to your point, what makes somewhere a nice place to work is the people and mm-hmm. the people you're working with. And, you know, I'm not really sure if that's something that it's it's so easy uh, to manufacture from the top down. Um, although certainly I think a lot of companies are trying. And there's two sort of elements, I think, why this is important. One, obviously, is if you want to attract good talent, you want to make your company a good place to work. Uh, that's obviously very important. And the other thing is just around people being productive and actually 
feeling free to one come up with ideas that maybe are going to be uh, kicked back um, or, or number two to actually come forward and say look I've after making a mistake mm-hmm. and I think it could be a problem for us because if there, I suppose if there's a culture of fear and people are afraid you know that this kind of thing won't be dealt with reasonably they're not going to speak out about these kind of issues and actually it, it is really important I think that when mistakes are made that they're dealt with quickly. Yeah the culture of fear is, is an interesting point. I did a course about 18 months ago and it was, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was something to do with like leading a team. It was my first sort of step into managing a team and I was so out of my depth. Everyone else on the course had like years of experience and there was me uh, just talking to my phone. But um, it was really interesting that the people leading the course said that the way you can manufacture the happiness and, you know, the, the banter is by, if you are the person leading the team, come into the office in good form. Yeah. Everybody looks and it doesn't matter again if you're a middle manager, if you're a line manager, if you're the CEO, if you come in slamming your briefcase down, slamming the door, sm- like, you know, just with that sort of aggro vibe, that very much sets the tone. Whereas if you're a team lead and you come in and you say, Gav, how was your weekend? Patter, how was your weekend? And create that sense of, you know, we are a team. And don't dwell too much on hierarchy and don't dwell too much on, you know, your power stance and Try and, although it's quite difficult, not bring problems to the fore. Yes, you address issues as they arise, but you should never hold a grudge against a member of your team, particularly if you're the manager. And you should never shout somebody down or embarrass them. You know, so again, if somebody screws up, you don't pull them up in the middle of an open plan floor going, come here, you made an absolute balls of this. What were you thinking? And dress them down. So I, I do think that there are things that... And again, it goes back to what Kerry Cooper was saying in the first episode. It, it's very much, it feeds into the well-being and the importance of good managers. And I, I think if you are the CEO or if you're the top person in a company, you do have a lot of power when it comes to picking who works for your business. You could have the, you know, the smartest person in the country, uh, you know, applying for a job in your company. But if they've got a crappy attitude and if they're going to drag other people down or bring in this, you know, sarcastic, nasty vibe, is that someone that you really want on your team or would you be better off hiring two people who would get the same yeah. work done but just bring a bit of yeah. crap to the place? Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly not worth it. I think in a lot of cases if the if the, if the the attitude is, is, you know, sort of brings everyone else down. Um, a part of it as well, though, is these perks, you know, mm. this idea of free food at work or, you know, we'll arrange to get your dry cleaning done for you or, you know, we have a pool table in the office or bean bags or hammocks or all this kind of thing. Listening to you talk about the whole issue there, it seems to me like that kind of stuff isn't really that important. I don't think so. I've spoken to so many tech companies over the last number of years and even recently on Tech Talk I was chatting to Emmett Ryan from the Business Post about the WeWork model and the whole thing with the WeWork model was you get your office space but you also get like fridges and fridges of beer you get the ping pong tables you get the bean bags and all the rest I think that was a bit of a gimmicky new toy um, for big tech companies to play with a few years ago when they were trying to attract talent when the market was very very tight and people were trying to poach companies from one big tech company to another big tech company those small things did seem to make a difference I think from what I learned from series one of this show and from just talking to people 
the perks that really matter is being able to text your boss saying, look, my kid has been up all night with a tummy bug. Can I start later today or can I have the day off? Or, you know, I was up late last night myself working on a project. Is it okay if I don't jump online till two o'clock? And having that flexibility one of the reasons, and again, I don't mind sharing bits about myself, but one of the things that I love about here is that I feel trusted. Yeah. I feel trusted by my managers and I feel trusted by my colleagues. And if somebody asks me to do something, they know I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And equally, if I ask somebody to do something, I trust that they're going to do it. And I've never, you know, been pulled up by any of my managers going, well, you didn't get in. Like, like I, if I didn't come into the office till half nine, Nobody's going to be going, well, you know, the office actually opened at half four. The guys from Newstalk Breakfast were here at half four this morning. Where were you? That doesn't happen. You don't, I don't get micromanaged. And that to me is worth more than having a ping pong table. Like I'm shy to ping pong ball. I don't want to play that. I don't want to have a beer fridge. I don't want any of that. I just want to be able to feel trusted, feel secure and also have people that I'm friends with around me. That is a huge thing for me. Some of them pool tables and things, you know, they're they're not as fun, I think, as people no. might expect. I remember going into one such place uh, in this city and there was a sign on the pool table that said, no pool during office hours. Uh, well, what's the point of what's the point of having the pool table in that case? You know, it's kind of uh, defeating the purpose. Um, you know, interesting to hear you talk about uh, trust and, and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, one thing I like about here, I have to say, is that you're allowed to kind of try things. If you come up with mm-hmm. an idea, people are open to it and you can you can give it a bash and see how it, how it pans out. And I think that's really important, um, you know, just, just for the whole innovation side of things, as I mentioned earlier. I want to delve a little bit further into the whole uh, area, though, of you know, how culture can motivate people to perform and, and be productive because everyone is different, right? And and some things motivate people and, uh, uh, you know, that wouldn't motivate others. Mm-hmm. What What is it that motivates you to get up out of bed and do your best when you come in here? I think, so my thing is that I, I'm just grateful to get to do something that I enjoy. So technology was my hobby and it's turned into my job. And I think that feeling of luck and gratitude It sounds a bit sort of airy-fairy, but that genuinely is what it is. I have friends who went to college at the same time as me, did master's because we were in the middle of the recession when we graduated and they had no job prospects. They just had to keep going in education to fill their days. And now, despite doing the MA, despite having, you know, fantastic experience, they just hate what they do. And I genuinely do feel that I am lucky to come in. I mentioned on a previous show that, you know, I kind of get a bit of the old imposter syndrome every now and then. And geez, they could kick me out at any minute. And that is a fear factor as well. But it's more and that's something that's just within me. But it's more that I know I'm lucky to do it. And I feel grateful that I get to do it. And I'm not motivated by looking at what any of our competitors are doing, going, oh, geez, they are doing something with the iPhone. I should do something. Like, I, I'm not doing a like-for-like like comparison. Yeah. As you alluded to there, like, we have great freedom. And like this, this, me and you sitting down, we both have coffees in front of us. This counts as our work. We get to sit down and have a chat. And I think gratitude is a huge part of what drives me, Um when, especially when you see other people who are just not as fortunate or not as happy in what they do. What would be your big motivator? Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's the people around you and certainly when you're working with people who you have good relationships with, 
you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of a, a big driver for me. If people are nice to you, obviously you want to deliver the goods for them and would feel terribly guilty uh, if you didn't manage to, to do that. But I think it can kind of be divided up into long-term and short-term. Um, long-term motivation is what I've just been talking about. I think uh, over the long run, that's what's best to get the best out of people. The, the whole idea of using the stick to kind of, you know, scare people into being more productive. I think probably in some cases it can work in the short term, but all it does, in my opinion anyway, and other people it may be more effective for, it just kind of makes you think, you know what, there's no need for that. And it just makes you disillusioned and maybe down the road you're kind of thinking, you know what, I'm not really that bothered and I'm going to start looking elsewhere. So I think maybe that can have a place, the, the whole idea of the stick versus the carrot but I'm not really sure it works in the long run I am always curious when you look at managers who use that model of scaring the bejesus out of people to get stuff done and that model of fear like you have to question what's going on with the manager that they're using that model and I'm not saying that we all sit around in a circle hold hands and sing kumbaya but at the same time there has to be a middle ground you can't just be threatening and bullying people into getting stuff done if you look at some of the businesses around the country and again like I can probably only just talk about the tech ones because they're the ones I know the best but some of them have created an amazing culture like Vodafone Ireland Anne O'Leary we've had her on the station quite a bit she is somebody who has along with her team introduced a number of brilliant HR practices and you know, they don't have meetings before a certain time of the day. They don't have meetings after a certain time of the day. They, like Anne said in an interview with me a few years ago, she doesn't care what hours her people work. What she does is she gives people tasks or people are given tasks to complete. And it's up to them how, where and when they do it, providing they meet the deadlines and so on. But that to me is a really interesting model. Trusting the people that work for you. If you're the person in charge of the company and you don't have faith in the people that you've hired, you're the bigger Egypt. Why are you paying people that you don't trust? That to yeah. me is just bonkers. Having said that though, I mean, there are examples of companies, like look at Steve Jobs, for example, who was kind of a notorious tyrant. But the results that they were able to achieve obviously have been phenomenal. Now, obviously, you know, we're kind of going back 10 years plus there, but I mean, it certainly seemed to work in that case. And maybe it's just the case that millennials like ourselves, we kind of don't put up with it, whereas maybe previous generations were more but used to it. why would you put up with it? Like, yes, you get to work for Steve Jobs and yes, you get to be involved in working on a device that has, you know, obviously changed uh, how everything is done, which is cool. But then if you're going home like a shaken dog every evening because Steve Jobs has yelled at you and because you didn't get you know, the right shape of an iPhone or the camera on an iPhone or something ridiculous. Like, is it worth it? And it goes back to that thing, do you live to work or do you work to live? Yeah, well, I, I definitely think it's not worth it. But um, I suppose another thing for companies like that is they probably do have a lot of people who want to go and work for them and maybe you can cycle people in and out on like a two-year basis. I don't like that either, basis. though. I'm not a fan I, of I that. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it either. Um, so obviously, though, with COVID, there's a big change in this whole area because nobody's in the office mm. anymore and in the context of the discussion of the future of the office one of the things that gets brought up is well we need to keep the office because it helps in instilling uh, yeah. the culture of a company what's your view on that 
I I would agree to a certain extent. As I said, one of the things I've struggled with most over the last year is not being in the office, not being with my crew um, here in Newstalk. So I have found that massively difficult. But I'm really interested to hear uh, what Dan Mackey from Teamwork has to say about this because they have a notoriously cool setup and cool outlook when it comes to their company. And I know we're going to be chatting to him in a few minutes' time. So that, to me... I'm I'm interested to see how he, as a co-founder and CEO of a company, uh, makes it work at this moment in time. But of course, we would love to hear from you. What have been your experiences? Um, what has been your biggest takeaway from this time? Do you miss company culture? What has your business done to try and make you feel included? You can email us fow at newstalk.com. Coming up next here, we will chat to Dan Mackey from Teamwork. Future of Work with thanks to VHI Healthcare. Looking at the health and well-being of your employees in an ever-changing workplace with the VHI Health Insights Programme. This is News Talk. Welcome back to Future of Work with Gavin McLaughlin and me, Jess Kelly. Each week we're looking at how COVID has impacted the future of work here in Ireland. As always, you can email the show fow at newstalk.com. And we're joined now by Dan Mackey, who is co-founder of Teamwork. Dan, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Gavin. Thanks for having me. Probably the best way to describe you guys is you have a a software platform that people can log into and then it makes it easy for them to collaborate on projects. You might just tell us some of the features that people need in order to be able to do that. Yeah, that's exactly it, Gavin. Um, Our main product, Teamwork.com. It's uh, primarily a project management application, and it resonates very much with uh, professional services type companies or companies like agencies. And it's mainly when you've got a project where many people need to collaborate and have one place where information is stored. And you can also make sure that what you've said you're going to get done is going to get done and creates that uh, accountability across teams. Yeah, you can kind of track uh, what's going on and what's what's done and what's left to be completed. And I, I think... An interesting way of looking at it, Dan, is that well before COVID, you guys have been facilitating people who are spread out in different locations, but nevertheless are able to work together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at our height, we had 270 employees spread across 15 countries around the world over many, many different time zones. So what really helped us pre-COVID and and when COVID happened was using our own tools and having that um that collective togetherness as a team and be able to get work done. So from a business point of view, our tools helped us survive COVID, but also brought different challenges as well, specifically around culture and people feeling isolated and maybe um, maybe feeling a bit burnt out at times as well. Yeah, now we get on to some of that in a minute, but I should say, first of all, it is nice when you can kind of stress test your own product by using it yourself and you can kind of see oh, what's working well and, you know, what do we maybe need to adjust? That's kind of a handy way of doing things. I mean, you mentioned company culture there and that's what the theme of this episode is. What is your understanding of what company culture actually means? So this is an interesting one. And Peter and myself, I mean, work, working together. That's Peter, your 20. co-founder, Peter Coppinger. Peter Coppinger, and um, we've been working together now for 20 years. And over over the last 14 years, when we were focused on, on teamwork, we actually sat down and we said, okay, what is it uh, that people mean about culture? What is culture? And culture basically is summed up into culture is your actions. You are what you do. And we had to come up with um, a very kind of 
succinct set of core values, which we use in everything. We use it when we're evaluating people to hire, we use it in our performance reviews, and they, they are the glue of our culture. And a lot of people come into teamwork and they see the slides and they see the free lunches and they think that's the culture. They're just the perks. The culture is how we work together when things go wrong, how we communicate with each other when we're trying to get work done. Um, as I said, we've got employees in 15 countries around the world in different time zones. So the culture is how you, how can you communicate with those people in a non-obtrusive way? And that's what our culture is. And it's very, very important to Peter and myself. So yeah. we've put a lot of things in place to, to try and keep that going because every new person you add into the company, the culture changes a little bit. So you have to be really on top of on top of that, you know. Yeah, as you mentioned you've kind of got this set of, of core values that have been established and that, that people are expected to abide by when they're working for you. Just tell us what they are. So you've caught me on the hop now. <laughs> and I've so Peter and myself, every time we uh, bring a new person into the company, we meet them and we call it meet the founders. And we usually take it in groups of six. And when we bring them onto that uh, coffee in COVID now, we have a virtual coffee and we go through our, our, our values and we give examples of each one. Because it's one thing having them written on the wall or in the handbook. It's a different thing hearing them from the people who created these values and to actually truly say what they mean. So some of them are things like... Um, putting the customer first. Everything we do in teamwork, we exist because of the customer. And that's not just for the people developing the software, it's the people selling the software, marketing the software, doing the billing for the software. So we want to put the customer front and center to that. There are other things like we have a very strong vision, we have a 10-year vision, we have a five-year plan. Everything is mapped out on where we want to go. And uh, one of our values is being results-driven. So only work on the important stuff. So they're the type of values that we have. Now, there are six core ones with a seventh one, which is don't be a dick. I'll say that because <laughs> that, that, that kind of encompasses everything. It boils it down to one memorable statement, which is don't be a dick. And you can apply that to everything then, you know. Yeah, well, it's certainly very helpful if, if people abide by that rule. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. doubt about that. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've kind of outlined it pretty clearly, uh, your, your approach to this, but the, the big commentary or part of the big commentary around COVID has been that once everyone went remote and they weren't in the office anymore it was going to be much more difficult to to foster this culture and, and to keep people plugged into it. So what's been your experience Dan? Has that been borne born out? Is it hard to, to keep this going when everyone is remote? It's actually really interesting and maybe we'd head start on other companies out there. We weren't forced into changing how we worked. We always had uh, a big cohort of people who worked remote anyway. So we had a lot of these kind of processes put in place. It did change things. We were predominantly, maybe a third of the company was remote and two thirds were working in the offices. And that was a complete flip then. And we had to, we, we could now see it from the other side. We could see it. How do we feel now in this position? How do we communicate with our teams? When is it appropriate to send that chat message? And we did change a couple of things in the company. Like what? The first thing we, so the first thing we did last March was we always had a quarterly catch up with the company and we changed that to weekly. So every Thursday, three o'clock, the whole company comes onto a call and we go through a couple of important parts. So the financials, I mean, that's really important. As a bootstrap company, uh, COVID has, you know, made it really important that we have to communicate that the company in, is in a stable way. Less so now, but back in March. Yeah, back in March, we didn't know what was going to happen. And a lot of our customers that use our products, they were financially... Uh, 
under pressure themselves. So we had to cut a lot of deals with our customers and give them payment breaks uh, just to see how things were going to map out. And that was important for our staff as well to know that we're financially sound and that we had measures in place to make sure that uh, business continuity happens. We also give team demos, and it's really important as well. So every week we change it up. We might have the finance team one week. We might have the marketing team the next week, a product team. And they'll just give an example of the, the work that they were working on the last month, keep the connection going in the, in the company. And then we do a bit of a fun element as well where we have um, a Kahoot quiz. And that's just really just a bit of fun. And there's uh, a 50 euro perks card for the winner of that. And we do this every Thursday. But it's really important that we don't miss it and we keep it regular and keep people informed. We also created things like um, a work from home channel on our chat product so that anybody at any time could come in they might post up pictures of the kids. They might post up of um, some pictures that they took when they went out for a walk because we have this initiative in the company called Recharge. So anybody can just update their status, just say hash recharge, and people know that they're just taking a break for 10, 15 minutes going out and clearing their head, you know? Yeah, so you're kind of facilitating people be, being able to talk to each other, uh, which obviously is very important. There is a fine line, though, isn't there? I mean, you mentioned the, the quiz there. Certainly there's an incentive uh, to take part if you can win 50 quid for doing it, but you, you want to avoid forced fun as well, don't you? Yeah, look, for, forced fun, I'm certainly not a fan of that, but there has to be some kind of an element of fun to it for people to engage. And look, there's some serious topics we need to, to broach as well inside here, especially around mental health. We've seen people, you know, they're struggling, they're in an environment where they're meant to be working from home, but what they actually are, they're at home trying to work and you've got kids hanging off them. Some people are in shared accommodation. There's no kind of easy place to jump on a Zoom call when they have to. So we put a lot of effort into getting um, speakers like Brent Pope on and talking to the company about mental health challenges and how to overcome them, how to talk about them. Uh, we sent out wellness packs to all our staff as well, which is really important. Just small things, maybe a bar of chocolate. There might be um, a T-shirt and make that connection, keep that connection with the company, you know. Mm. One of the things that I really like about you guys as a company is the fact that you and Peter are very good friends. And this sounds like a bit of a name droppy thing. But do you remember that time we were all in Monte Carlo staying in a really fancy hotel, having really posh dinners and drinking all the drink? Like, Is this actually a real there. story? This is a real story. <laughs> we, we hung out in Monte Carlo because we have notions. But what I loved was the fact that you can see the bit of the bromance uh, between yourself and Peter. And I'd say that that friendship and almost finishing each other's sentences creates a really nice work culture for your company from the top down. And I'm sure people in your office have picked up on that and it kind of sets the tone, as I say, for the office. How do you ensure that you still have, like you as the the most senior person in the company, that you still have that connection and that you do still set the tone, even if your staff are working remotely? I think... Um keeping up the traditions that we had and obviously making adjustments like meeting the founders, that's really important to us. Mm. I mean, we really want to get the best people we can into the company and we really want people to enjoy work and we want to treat them like adults. We want to say, this is the direction we're going. We've hired you to do a job uh, and we're not going to micromanage you. And I mean, Peter, myself, I mean, we're under pressure as well. I mean, we're in the same boat as all our staff. I mean, I've got three girls at home. School has been a blessing that they're gone back. Uh, otherwise, even a call like this would have been challenging. But we vent to each other. and But in front of the staff, we have a unified front. Um, we keep the communication lines open. 
we make it very clear to people as well uh, all the areas in the company where people can get help but ultimately if somebody has a problem they can get get on to peter or myself and just send us a chat message and time allowing we'll try and get back and solve it i mean we've put tools inside ourselves as well in the company we've got a staff mps we've got anonymous feedback but ultimately i think we're creating a culture where people don't see us as any different to themselves and we're approachable and we're just two people trying to make a, a good business and trying to make it fun along the way for all our staff you know uh, do you think that uh, you'll go back to having the way it was pre-COVID? Now, I know you guys did have a lot of remote workers and you've got teams all over the world, but do you anticipate having people back in-house or are you going to go down the Google or the Twitter route saying people can work anywhere at any time? I think we're very much um, we're remote friendly anyway. Even when people had an office inside in Cork or Dublin or Belfast or anywhere else, um, we're very open to to people we know what it's like we know that like kids could get sick and you have to take time out as long as people deliver what we ask them to deliver we don't care when they work that will change i mean we had three offices in cork we're going to reduce that down to two because we polled all our staff and we asked them um post-covid after your experience of a year now what would you like yourselves because there's a lot of positives as well. I mean, a lot of people focus on the negatives of COVID, but we've seen a lot of positives as well. And people have come back and said they want to do three days at home and two days in the office. And maybe 40% came back and said they want the reverse. They want three days in the office and two days at home. And we're going to facilitate that because the positives, as I've mentioned, I mean, people have more time with family out of hours that they previously couldn't have, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, at lunchtime, instead of being stuck in the office eating a sandwich, you can now go out with the kids or have lunch with with your family. So there's been positives there. Um, The staff have been really productive. Maybe it's because they're not forced into a nine to five or nine to six type environment. They can work when they're feeling productive. They can work when they're feeling in the mood to work, you know? So um, yeah, onboarding has actually been very interesting as well. We've taken on maybe I'd say 40, 50 people in the last year. Uh, a lot of these people have not met other people in person because of this, but they've they've ramped up, they've onboarded. It shows it just shows that the the practices that we put in place to help onboard remote people it, it actually really works. You know. Yeah, it's good to hear a, a positive example of of a company who's found that's gone well. Um, sometimes when we talk about company culture, Peter, I wonder are we focusing slightly on the wrong thing? Um, you know, I often think it's not so much. The, the company culture, if you like, that spurs you. It's more sort of your immediate colleagues and your manager, you know, who you get on with and you don't want to let them down in what you're doing. Is it more the case that that's what's really important, that, that good relationships are fostered with those people rather than sort of a more nebulous concept of, of company culture more broadly? Yeah, I think there's an element to that. I mean, our managers inside here they're, they're like player coaches. They're not just in here to direct. They're not here to, to direct with fear. They're in here working side by side with their colleagues and they just have a couple of extra responsibilities like one-on-ones and things like that. But um, I think it's, do you know what? There's a very good book. Anybody interested in culture, um, anybody interested in this kind of area, Ben Horowitz wrote a brilliant book before and it is, we are what we do. And he sums it up brilliantly. And it's like, it's all about your actions. 
and and people look like you've heard the old adage that people don't leave leave jobs they leave managers and i think it's really true and inside here communication is key vital if everybody knows exactly what they're meant to do and you open up the channels of communication good things will happen and people will be less stressed it's the unknown puts fear and doubt into people and makes them concerned and anxious and stressed you know so we're trying to we're trying to remove all that uh, you can't have a flat organization we try that that doesn't work you have to have some kind of uh, organizational kind of chart but what you do need to do is set out what are the clear responsibilities that each person has and as long as they know that and they're delivering against that all these kind of they're just symptoms then you know and yeah. they go away yeah and i suppose to be fair if you want to foster those good working relationships that that spur people on it is helpful i suppose to to have sort of a a good atmosphere in the company itself so so they are interlinked um so look thanks uh, very much for all that dan i think it's definitely food for thought for people who are listening to the show uh, that's uh, dan mackey their co-founder of teamwork thanks very much Gav. thanks jess coming up next we'll hear from amy burke from vhi healthcare on what companies can do to create the perfect company culture future of work with thanks to vhi healthcare Looking at the health and well-being of your employees in an ever-changing workplace with the VHI Health Insights Programme. This is News Talk. Welcome back to Future of Work with Jess Kelly and me, Gavin McLaughlin. Each week we look at how COVID-19 has pushed the Irish workforce to change how business is done. Now, we're going to get back to our conversation about company culture and we're joined by Amy Burke, the Director, Group Human Resources with VHI Healthcare. Um, Amy, at the start of the show, Gavin asked me the question, you know, what do I understand company culture to be? And we had a really interesting chat about it. At its core definition, what is company culture? Thanks, Jess. I mean, culture can be kind of overused at times but but really it's like the personality of an organization or the feel of an organization your character um and the behaviors and values and rituals that that make that up um so it's it's very different in in all different organizations and some elements of of a culture or a feeling are really really obvious so it's clear it's within sight and then other elements are are not as obvious and, and can be quite unseen, being being honest. And, and people have written about this. The iceberg effect is probably the one that's known to most of us. You, know, you see the top of the iceberg, but you don't you don't see the underneath of it. And, and what does that say? So from my perspective, you know, I keep it quite simple. I think the culture of any organization is just its feel, its personality, the way it operates. Um, and, you know, you need to be deliberate about that. Organizations have to really understand what do they want their culture to be? What do you want it to feel like in your organization? You have to, to a large degree, codify it, um, promote it, encourage it, be very explicit about it. it it's not something you can ignore in, in organizations. Um, yes, you want it to be organic, um, but at the same time, you've got to be really deliberate in organizations around what that is, and particularly the unseen elements of it. So if you look at you know, attitudes or beliefs or um, the way we get things done mm-hmm. as opposed to necessarily what's written in a policy or what's written in a handbook. Those less formal elements of it, Jess, can, 
can really influence an organization's feel or culture. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of businesses will have mission statements and they'll have those policy handbooks and they might write, you know, that our employees are our number one and we'll do anything to make them happy and to feel part of the team. But then if you go and do a survey of the the team members in that building, that may not reflect how they feel at all. So you mentioned there the element of manufacturing it and ensuring that it's there, but also that it has to feel organic. Nobody wants to work in a company where there's forced fun 24 hours a day. Who or what part of the business is the most important when it comes to ensuring that a positive company culture is in place? I mean, I think it it differs just depending on, on, on what you're talking about, because it's very obvious that at the very top of an organization, leaders create a shadow. And if they're not authentic, then the rest of the organization is going to see through that and they're not going to create what I would describe as followership. Um, so leaders have a huge role in, in being authentic, in leading by example, in not paying lip service, you know, to your point, which is saying one thing and, and doing another, which is the reason I talk about authentic leadership. But equally, all colleagues do, because the sum of the parts is what makes a culture real. So you know, people look to HR and yes, we have a huge role and we are the custodians to a large degree of it. But I would say that every colleague in an organization um, has a role to play. I think leaders cast a long shadow um, and therefore they can impact it both positively and negatively. Um, but I, I would probably look to the collective, Jess. I, I don't think there's one more than the other, albeit leadership is is probably the strongest element. We are obviously uh, working in, in an entirely new way over the last 12 months or so. Um, we're not all together in the office. We're not kind of having the bitch moan and the laugh at the water cooler, at the coffee machine. How can businesses create that sense of company culture when staff are working remotely? Yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant question. And, and I think it's difficult is the first thing I would say. But I think it's going back to your early question, which it is, it, it has to be anchored in your purpose. So what is the purpose of the organization? And, and you're right, some of that is a mission statement on a wall or a vision that doesn't necessarily resonate. But if you do have a purpose-driven organization, I think those organizations have done better in the last 12 months because you've had an ability to connect to something that is authentic and real. I think the other element that um, is really important to maintain or even evolve, because I I think evolving is probably where culture is at, is around teaching and learning and coaching, because most organizations did not have 100 percent remote working a year ago. And therefore, if you're a line manager or if you're a leader or a colleague, you didn't necessarily know what to do. So I think organizations that are focused on teaching and and helping people to learn to be great in this environment is really important. Um, From my perspective, communication has been the key. Um, How do you communicate with your with your colleagues consistently? How do you make sure your message is aligned to reality? Because you're right. You don't want the happy, clappy message. You want the reality of the message, which is this is difficult, um, but it's difficult for everybody, albeit, you know, not all boats have have suffered the same. I think keeping aligned to what you're trying to do, and in our case, it's our customers. What do we need to do as colleagues to service our customers and, and BHI? I think other other really important element, Jess, is listening. Mm-hmm. This is new. And anybody that tells you they have the answer, I struggle with. So I think you are going to get a huge amount of value 
to listening to colleagues? What are the things that are going to make them feel better, perform better? You know, is it to do with tech? You know, is that is that was that the big thing at the very beginning of it? Now, is it to do with communication? Is it to do with connecting with colleagues? Is it to do with looking to the future and understanding how am I going to work in the future? And people are getting a little bit anxious around that because it is still unknown. I think also simple thank yous. So recognition for the disruption this has called in life. Um, the thank you for going the extra mile for our customers. Um, and then making sure that you support colleagues in a way from a well-being perspective. And, and that's not just for now. We, we need to be conscious of well-being well into the future. So that's the reason, Jess, I use the word evolving, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of the things that have changed this year, we need to make sure we learn from them and we embrace and promote and, and create new rituals. Um, going back to the, what I, we spoke about earlier as to the future, because a lot of those things are going to make up the future of work in a lot of our corporates. You mentioned there about listening and how important that is. And it's something that I have been thinking about myself a little bit because, and again, I'm probably oversharing on this show too much, but on days when I'm feeling crappy and I'm at home and I'm missing my friends and I'm missing my family, I'm not going to be in every team meeting talking the loudest. There's some days where I won't turn my camera on. There's some days where I just, you know, I kind of just get my work done, but I'm not putting myself out there. It must be easier for managers to miss things because we have the option of not turning the camera on and we have the option of not talking. Whereas if I was in the office and I was a bit down or if I was sulking or skulking around the place, somebody would come up, go and catch yourself on. How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's true. And, and there are days even when the camera is on that you, you miss things. And, and, and I think it's, it's, you're right, the line manager is hugely important. But when you're in an office environment, you've got colleagues around you that know you and, and see you coming in in the morning and, and you may not be your therapy self or they may know things that are going on in your life. I think there are, there are ways of staying connected. So promoting one-to-ones is really important. Um, not losing that element, albeit it might be on a call or it might be on a, a video conference. There's there's even a, a a study came out recently, which is that don't try to do everything on a video conference. You can just pick up the phone to somebody that might be nicer. So it is, how do you engage with people, team huddles, but also just the, the less formulaic. So promoting teams to say, look, get together yourself, mm-hmm. you know, be proactive yourself, have a virtual coffee or Friday evening get together whatever it is because some of that that less work orientated that less formulaic you can see more but I think what I would say Jess is line managers leaders and even ourselves as colleagues we have a responsibility to put more effort into it to put more energy into it and being planful about it and I think because to your point it's less obvious and it's harder um, to see and therefore you just have to be more programmatic but I think the broader sense of listening is is really important as well. So, you know, garnering input from colleagues, you know, hearing their voice really loudly and shaping the future of work, hearing their voice really loudly. And what do you want today? How can I help you be great today to feel good? Because we know in every study you read, I don't need to quote any studies, but we know people that, that feel good are more productive. We all know that ourselves. When we're, when we're in a good mood or when we're, we're feeling content, we do a better job. So for me, in my role, it's finding out 
what are those things that colleagues need right now? And the best way to find them out is to ask. Don't assume. Don't think because you're in HR or in your, you're in a senior position that you know that. But actually really listen and do focus groups, do coffees, ask questions, do surveys, but then act. So the worst thing in the world, as everybody knows, is ask me loads of questions, but then do nothing about it as an organisation. You really mentioned, act. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, Amy, you mentioned there um, the idea that people are more productive if they're happy, and there's no doubt you're right about that. But we were talking about uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about there are examples of organisations who have succeeded, even if the the culture maybe is is less ideal than what you'd like. We mentioned Steve Jobs and <laughs> reading some of the stories about him over the years. I'm not so sure I would like to. I would have liked to have worked for him. Um, so, I mean, what's your view on that? Some companies do seem to be okay, even if they're not the best in this regard. Maybe it's just the case that it's it's a, an evolution over time. I, I think you're right. I think it is an evolution. I would always question sustainability. Um, so I think you know, there, there's always sort of short-term bursts or or projects or even big deliverables like you talk to in, in, in that company that will get people energized and the environment may not be or the ecosystem may not be what we talk about when you're content. I genuinely, Gavin, think that there's a sustainability question about that. And that's just looking at human behaviors. Over a period of time, human behavior is you get tired from an environment like that. You're less motivated. You have less personal energy. You you give less discretionary effort um, and, and you, you become less of an ambassador for your brand or your customers. So I, I think you're right. There is lots of examples um, where that has happened in organizations. But over time, I think you can see the cracks and you can see a challenge, which is the reason that you know companies by and large are now putting huge efforts to understanding what it feels like in their organization because they want it to be a good place to work and they want people to reach their potential, which usually means the company does better. Is there really a, means the customer is served better. Is there a generational question as well? Maybe the youth of today, to use that phrase, um, are kind of more conscious of this kind of thing, whereas perhaps in the past it was less remarked upon? It, it seems to be coming through in the data. You're, you're right, Gavin, that there is a, a younger generation that are looking um, for more out of work. The blend between professional and personal you know, I know the pandemic has really blended up, but even before that, a younger generation was blending that more. There was less um, lines between that. And I think, therefore, your values, your moral compass, uh, the things that you believe in, um, you need those to be part of your work life. It is a huge element of, of your total life. Um, and there seems to be a generation that's saying, actually, I want my work life to stand for me, not necessarily a job, not necessarily a profession. And I think that's why you're seeing um, younger generations demand more of of corporations and of companies and of culture. We know that a lot of businesses uh, around the country have gone through a very tough time over the last year or thereabouts. And perhaps money is tight. Perhaps they're looking at, you know, how they use budget throughout the company. But one area that I'd be interested to chat to you about, I suppose, is when it comes to perks, and I'll use that in quotations, for staff. So whether that is food vouchers or sending home little, you know, hampers, whatever it may be, does that give a a return on investment to the company in terms of keeping people happy, putting a pep in their step? Or is it something that they're just doing in the hopes that that employee might put it on Instagram and make the business look good? 
I think in isolation, it's not great, Jess. Mm. I think, you know, if you if you get something at the door and it's from your organization, but it doesn't stack up with anything that happens on a daily basis or uh, it's not true to the, the values of the organization, then I, I don't think it has a positive impact. And in fact, colleagues might see it as cynical. Um, I think if it is done in conjunction with the way you treat colleagues always, then it's fantastic because you know it's authentic. You you know it is meant and it's sincere. Um, and, you know, if it's done in a way that's saying thank you or if it's saying we care or if it's linked to, you know, what you're doing as an organization, then I think colleagues see that and they see it for what it is. And I, I personally believe that, you know, recognition is a huge part. If it's not, not it doesn't necessarily to be a whole company, but if a team has done an incredible job, well, then, then you recognize and you say thank you. And, and it could be, you know, a hamper, it, it could be a, a letter, whatever it is that the organization that fits with the organizational culture. So I, I would hate to think that companies do it because they want to see it on Instagram. Um, and I think that's flawed. I don't think that's real culture. It's it's it, it's not the right way to do it. But if it sits properly with how we communicate, how we connect, how we support, how we're transparent in all of that, then I think it can be hugely powerful in, in conjunction with all of that, but not in isolation. Yeah, it really does come back to, you know, making sure that you're walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Uh, Amy Burke is Director of Group Human Resources with VHI Healthcare. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Gavin. That's all we have for this week. If you have any questions or comments, you can email FOW at Newstalk.com and we'll answer as many as we can with our expert guests each week. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on the Newstalk app, on iTunes, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's available as a podcast first every Wednesday afternoon or on the radio on Newstalk every Saturday from 7. We'll chat to you next week. Future of Work on Newstalk with thanks to VHI Healthcare. Read our expert report on social interaction in an ever-changing workplace at newstalk.com forward slash VHI Healthcare.